ATP listeners will probably be well aware of the fact that COVID passed through the List family since the last time that we spoke. <sighs> yeah. Unbelievably, you escaped Disney World, right? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't well, I mean, understand, I understand how that worked. I, I feel like I understand, right? I feel like I know what happened here, right? At Disney World, you were aware of the situations that could have been difficult and also before, and you were being vigilant about them. But then when Was you got I home, though? yeah, <laughs> but you were because you wanted to protect Disney World, right? Like you wanted to protect that trip. So leading up to it, I think that you were a little bit more vigilant and otherwise. Oh, we should sure. talk about it here. Then yes, on yes, the yes. trip, it's like, I'm sure that in the times where you felt uncomfortable, you were doing something about it or whatever. Uh, yeah, but also as we spoke about before, like a lot of Disney World is outside, right? That like, is true. It's a lot of outside. And then you just return to normal life. And when you did that, it just, just get you. So I get you. Yeah. Yeah, so we fell to COVID uh, a couple of weeks uh, after we returned to di- from Disney World. Um, like Mike said, you know, we we were very dig- di- diligent. Hello, I'm a professional podcaster. Digital. We were very diligent. Di- we were very Dirigible. vigilant, uh, <laughs> right? We were we were very careful uh, before Disney <laughs> and getting to Disney. Um, but once we once we got off the bus that dropped us off at our hotel at Disney World, we didn't put a mask on again until mm. we got on that bus to go back to the airport and so on and so forth. You know, we just said YOLO. This is an important experience for us to do what we, we want this experience to be defined by the time together and not, you know, um, preventive measures. And that was okay. a choice we made. I'm not saying it was right, wrong or indifferent, but that was the, the decision we made. And yeah. certainly most of the people at Disney World seem to have made the same decision, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but it's funny because I was standing in line for the previously discussed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Cosmic Rewind ride, which again, I don't want to spoil. We're not going to talk about it much. We already talked about it some last episode, but I was queued up for that. And and the way it worked was, you know, you you paid or, you know, I'm sorry, this was the uh, thing where you sign up at the first thing in the morning and they say, okay, well, at some point today, we'll tell you it's your turn. And so it was my turn and we did the rider swap thing where I said to them, okay, I'm going to go now. You know, can you give Erin a fast pass? She's going to stay with the kids and then, you know, she'll come in after me. So I'm by myself is the point of all this. I'm by myself in this queue that's almost entirely indoors for an hour with hundreds of bodies around me. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, well, this is it. This is this is what yeah, it's see, happening. In that moment, I would have put the mask on. Like, and I, but like, look, you're free to make your own decisions. You're a grown up, but that's I, that's what I would have done. I, and I think honestly, again, I didn't get COVID from Disney. It was a long enough time that I am pretty much yeah, certain yeah. that it was yeah, not yeah. Disney. But in retrospect, I think you're probably right, and that would have been the better. I think you are right. That would have been the better approach to handle it. But you know, tis what it is. Yeah, whatever. Um, but we got home, and we were home for a few days, and then the. Um, the 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 stomach bug i don't want to be too explicit here but the stomach bug ripped through the house and that happened you know not too long after disney then we were all better for like a week or two and then michaela had some sniffles and we thought and this was like early in the week and then aaron had some sniffles and we went okay well whatever i guess we're getting a cold and then it was friday and this particular weekend that that of the you know the friday that begins the weekend we had a bunch of plans. We were planning to have a little like outdoor fire pit thing with some friends of ours and, you know, dinner. And then the next day we were going to ship the kids and the dog off to my parents, um, which is a very rare occurrence, unfortunately, but I had convinced them, okay, I need you to take the kids and the dog, please. And thank you. And I'd surprised, or I was going to surprise Aaron 
with a just a, a one night stay in downtown Richmond, little you know, stay a one night staycation. You know, we don't have to worry about the kids, don't have to worry about the dog. We're gonna go to dinner with some friends, and then we're gonna go go to this hotel, this like you know, bougie hotel that I've never been to, but is supposed to be pretty good in downtown Richmond. And then the following day on that Sunday, we had it was Super Bowl, so we were gonna go to a Super Bowl party with some friends of ours, the same ones from Friday, you know, where we were supposed to do the fire pit. And Aaron and I are sitting on the porch Friday afternoon. It's like three, three thirty. And she looks over at me all of a sudden, or maybe she, maybe she's just kind of talking and staring. And, you know, we were both, I think, reading or something. And she says, man, I still got these sniffles in my, my throat's starting to hurt. And it was one of those, like, slow motion. The two of us just turned and our eyes got bigger. And we both were like, oh, no. Yeah. And so Aaron said, oh, oh, no, I should, I should probably go test, shouldn't I? Yeah, I should go test. So she goes up. And she goes in the, and get, grabs a test. And it is now at this point, like 345. And this is important in a moment. And so um, she goes and gets the test and she tests herself. And it was one of those things where immediately yeah. it's positive. Like That's no questions asked. My, it was like the, I no like 15 minutes. Yep. yep. That thing almost Zero broke. Trying right. to tell me how positive I was. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And as she's swabbing her nose, she's saying to me, I'm about to blow up our weekend, aren't I? I am about <laughs> to blow up our weekend. And I was like, ah, no, no, no. You never know. Let's just, let's just see what happens. You know, let's just, you never know. And again, like instantly it was positive. So mm -hmm. I say, well, crap, I got to go. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I didn't tell you that we're supposed to stay at a hotel tomorrow night and I can only cancel until 4 p.m. And it's currently like 3.55. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to go. And I go running up to the office to find the number to cancel the hotel. And I call them at like, you know, 3.55 or whatever. And I'm put on hold for like 15 minutes. It's like, oh, great. So finally I get through to them at like, you know, 4.05, 4.10, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I say to them, hey, I'd really like to cancel my reservation for tomorrow. I know it's a bit after 4 o'clock, but um, I, I can't make it. They're like, well. I'm sorry, sir, but you booked a non-refundable room. Oh, yes, you're right. I did. Well, would you take pity on me by any chance? No, you'd booked a non-refundable room. Yes, but my wife just realized that she has COVID, and you probably don't want us. Not that we would ever do this, but you probably I heard don't you want say us this on ATP. And I'm happy you're bringing this conversation to the show. Oh no, is this because I Am think I in you're ridiculous for for Why? for doing this? You booked a non-refundable room. Yeah, that means no but refunds. Well, you can't like yes. threaten them by being like, my wife has COVID. Do you want my wife to come to this hotel? No, like you booked a non-refundable room. That's how it works. That is true. But I like, booked here's it just... the thing. Do you know the thing that I did after COVID? And I now I don't book non-refundable rooms anymore because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. And so well, that's fair. No, you're, I mean, fair. That is completely fair. If it makes you feel any better <laughs> in the discord, several people are typing. Uh, if it makes <laughs> you feel any better, um, it, it, it makes you feel any better. If they had said no, I would have been like, you know, if they said there's a second time, like after I was like, look, you know, she has COVID. Like they could have been like, first of all, tough. Second of all, don't you step through foot through this doorway? And I would have been like, yep, you're right. Like I was, I just, it can't hurt to ask the question. Right, but was you, my you give them like a thinly veiled threat of like my wife's going to come and infect everyone in your like. I didn't you exactly know? say that, but well, I mean, I'm I was, just saying I was what, hinting at I'm it. I'm based but, on what you said, right? Or what you said you said. If it makes you feel any better, I had literally booked this like the day before. So mm -hmm. it's not like this was a long-standing three-month-old reservation that why I just... Why would that make me feel better? I don't, I don't know, because it was all, I almost better. didn't book it. I don't know. I don't mind asking, 
right? Like, because I have a wife that would ask. Nadina, like, will always <laughs> check these things. She's very on this kind of stuff. But if they said no, I wouldn't push it anymore. Because it's like, well... Well, and that's the thing. Is I, they said no. I said, okay, you're right. I, and I said to them, you're right. It was non-refundable. Here's the situation. Like, I would love to be there. Like, in, you know, COVID notwithstanding, I would love to mm-hmm. be there. Trust me, I'm not. I'm not canceling because I'm just changing my plans for funsies. Like, literally, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I can't. And again, that's not really strictly speaking their problem. Nothing you're saying is incorrect. But yeah. um, you know, what is it going to hurt to try? And I tried. And I tried. Yeah, it was when I was a tour. I probably told this story when I was a tour guide at Virginia Tech. They told us you're, you're not supposed to accept tips, but it's rude if they try insistently and then you say no. So the rule of thumb was, this was or this not even rule of thumb, the stated rule was you have to say no three times. And if they still insist, then you can take whatever money or tip that they give you, right? And this only <laughs> happened to me one time. One uh-huh. time I gave a tour and a dad came up to me and was like, wow, that was really awesome. Thank you so much. He does the like handshake with the bill in the hand thing. So I have no idea if that was like a $1 bill or a, or a million dollar bill or whatever. But he does the handshake thing. Oh, please take this. I said, oh, sir, I can't. I'm sorry. I really can't. No, 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 no. Really. You deserve it. You worked really hard. It was really great. Sir, I can't. I'm so sorry, but I really appreciate it. And he said, okay. And walked away. And so it was, he said no twice. He knew the rule too. He, he knew the rule too, apparently. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I would have, I, I wanted to ask, I wanted to explain the situation. And if they still said tough nuts, then you know what? Tough nuts. And so, um, but they were very kind and they said, okay, we understand, you know, we'll go ahead and cancel it. And that was, that was very kind of them. Um, but it was just such a bummer because we are, I mean, we would have always been somewhat homebodies, but this particular weekend we were like jam packed with things to do. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to belabor the point too much, but Aaron and I don't often get time without the kids. I love my children. I love them to death. They are some of my favorite people, but it's nice to have adult time every yeah. once in a while. And, um, you know, for various uninteresting reasons, uh, there, there's not a lot of people that are geographically around us that can really help with that. And my parents are kind of sort of the only people that can. And my parents aren't extraordinarily interested in doing that a lot of the time. And so here is a situation where we got them locked in. Yeah. You know, they're going to take the kids. They're going to take the darn dog, like everything. We're good to go. And then, we, and then Aaron gets COVID. So as I'm having this perhaps uncouth argument with the, well, not even argument, discussion with the hotel, uh, Aaron is testing Michaela. Aaron is testing Declan. I come downstairs, Michaela, in, immediate indications appear that she is negative despite having the sniffles. Um, Declan, immediately positive, which is weird because he was like right as rain. Like he didn't have any particular symptoms whatsoever. Of course, we at this point test me. I test, you know, Aaron and I test me and I am positive. So of the four of us, the three of us all had COVID. And this is, you know, the Friday leading into the Super Bowl. Um, that first day, that first afternoon, Aaron felt kind of crummy. And then that first night, apparently she had like, I don't know if it was like a migraine or what, but she described it as though somebody was like ramming an ice pick into her head, like between her eyes yeah, or above her this, nose, whatever. I had this for a while too. Like I, I had uh, really bad migraines for months. Oh, that does not sound fun at all. Yeah. Um, so she didn't sleep for nothing that first night. And, and in between all this, you know, she's also coughing up a lung. And, you know, we are sharing a bed like, the good, the good news, you know, we, we didn't do COVID on, on easy mode, but we definitely, I don't think we did it on hard mode by any no. stretch because at least we were at home and 
basically all of us had it at the same time. You know, it's much, much, much harder when like one parent or, you know, even worse, both parents are, have fallen, but neither of the kids have, or none of the kids have or yeah, whatever. If you're trying to you know, do the like. The internal quarantine protect, sort of thing. Yeah, you know? it's a nightmare. And, and, and we we immediately realized, like, if when Aaron started testing everyone, she immediately opened up a new N95 or KN95. She put that on while she's testing everyone because we didn't know for a moment, you know, yep. what if what if she's the only one? And then when once we realized, okay, it's basically effectively all of us. Sorry, Michaela, uh, it's effectively all of us. Then uh, then she took it back off, you know, and all bets were off. Um, mm-hmm. That night she slept like garbage. I didn't feel particularly good, but I I didn't feel awful. Uh, the next night, if memory serves, she was coughing up along all night. So, you know, she, again, she's not really sleeping. I'm not really sleeping. I could have gone in the guest room, but at that point I wanted to be there for her in case she needed something. Um, but yeah, in, in summary, Aaron had a very severe cold, um, you know, had a couple of nights of real awful sleep. We were both really run down that Saturday and Sunday, again, her more so than I. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that weekend, we were mostly okay we didn't test positive until i I believe late the next week negative, so about a week mean? oh sorry yes yes thank you didn't test negative until yeah. late the next week and i mean we basically didn't leave the house but it was it was not fun like it yeah. was uh, we had a much easier experience than you did for about eight thousand different reasons <laughs> but <Yeah>. nonetheless nonetheless <laughs> it was not fun like i would not recommend uh, covid to anyone no and and what was interesting I mean, was... would you Mc- recommend any illness? Like, Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's not particularly fun. Um, thankfully, knock on wood, um, we didn't have any egregiously bad symptoms. Like, yeah. you know, nobody was was losing bodily fluids, if you understand what I'm saying. There was none of that. Um, we, we both had, like, a decrease in our sense of taste for a couple of days, but it was only a couple of days. That, I didn't get that, which I was very happy about because I just had loads of good takeaway food for, like, <laughs> right. a week. And honestly, I'm not even sure if that was, like, directly from COVID or if it was just the fact that I was very congested for several days, like, super congested. And it could have just been the congestion, you know, which obviously is still COVID, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. not that it wasn't a direct attack on my taste buds, potentially, I don't know, maybe not. But I was crazy congested for a long time. I was snotting for like a, a week after I was testing negative. Um, I was just hey, you're welcome. Uh, I was just full, full of snot. And when why you have, you, when, why do you need to double down on it? I would, Are you because just I doing wanted, this I, to annoy me now. No, not deliberately. Okay. Uh, and, and the thing is, though, just to triple down on it, when you Please. are particularly gifted in the nose region, like I, I have just, a, I, I, that I am really gifted I'm in that area. So over here, you know what yeah, I'm there's, saying? There's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot of space that can be filled. Although you've, honestly, you've it was mostly sinuses. Now with that one, I ain't mad at you no more. See, you're welcome. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so I, it was mostly my sinuses anyway, to be honest with you. But woof, it was bad. But um, but no, as much as I'm joking and snarking, but I gotta hand it to you all. You did a real good job. You put up a good fight. You know what I mean? (laughs) Seriously, like the fact that it took you until the first quarter of 2022, uh, 2023, a good two years, right? Was it two total years? I've lost how to count. Uh, Three years. Almost three. Right? Three years since the beginning. Yes. We are recording on the 7th of March, and it was the 13th of March that the List family started. February. Again, it not not locked down in the same way the UK was, because you guys were actually locked down. We were just not leaving as often. Yeah, but, but you but had like a self-imposed lockdown, like more than that's most people that mm-hmm. I know. You're right. Um, yeah, I, I think you did a great job, like lasting for three years. I think that that's like, that's pretty commendable. Like, 
No, I appreciate it. And, and yeah, and I mean, honestly, when we sent the kids into school this fall, and I probably talked about it on this very program, yeah, we I, did I looked at Aaron. And mm-hmm. I looked at Aaron. I was like, if we make it through September without it, I'll be stunned. And then when we left for Disney, I was like, if we don't come back with a little souvenir of COVID, I'll be stunned. And then finally, yep. it was just a couple of weeks after Disney that it, that it happened. Do and, you have any idea where it came from? I honestly do not. Um, we not even we a would, hint. No, I really. Huh. I mean. If I were to wager a guess, which is a very, very tenuous theory here, but if I were to wager a guess, I think Michaela came home with it from school. Now, that's a little tenuous because nobody else at school seemed to have any particular problems, but Michaela showed the sniffles first, and so I presume it came from her and then Mm. spread. The other interesting thing is Michaela never, ever tested positive. Like we didn't test her every single day, but we tested her periodically and she never tested positive. And my theory on that is that if you recall, she had gotten her most recent bivalent booster the week before we left for Disney. So the very first week of January, and this was all happening, what, the second week of February or something like that. I suspect I'm I'm not a doctor. But if she was carrying it, how did she, if you're carrying COVID, right? And you're asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. Would you still test positive for it? You know, that's a good question. Actually, I didn't think of it that of that of it that way. And maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wasn't her at all. Because I know people that have been asymptomatic but have tested, and it was positive. Mm-hmm. Now, I I've, I mean, genuinely, I think this is one of those things where like everyone's different, right? And yeah, so totally. I don't. Well, I'm just saying I don't know. But I mean, it, obviously, your biggest. Uh, risk vector has always been the kids' school, right? Because totally. that's just mm-hmm. for parents. Is that's just always the thing, anyway, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. so that's is probably where it came from. But it did yeah. seem to, however, it came into the house. It hit Aaron first, right? Because she yes. had she had stronger and more noticeable symptoms earlier, the whole time, but yeah. also earlier. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I had. I had a weaker version of what Aaron had, a considerably weaker version than what Aaron had. And then Declan was boinging off the walls the whole weekend because he couldn't get out of the house. And it was like cold that weekend, so we couldn't really go outside that much. You know, just in our own yard, not that we're going to a park or anything. But uh, but yeah, it was Declan was boinging off the walls the whole time. Of course, Michaela was because she either wasn't sick or, you know, whatever. Um, but Aaron and I were pretty run over for a couple of days. And that was that was tough. But it's it's interesting. It's weird. Um, and this I didn't talk about too much on ATP, but it's weird having gone through it now because for three years of my life, for more than half yeah. of Michaela's entire life, I have been somewhere between scared and petrified or full on like phobic, phobic. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I've had a phobia of, um, of catching COVID. And I think I've gotten better about it over the last year or so. And particularly the last six or six months or so, um, when, when Michaela got her first vaccine or, you know, first got fully vaccinated, but now it's done ish. Like, obviously we can catch it again. Obviously we don't want to catch it again, but nevertheless it's done. Like we have gotten through COVID at least once and not that we're throwing all caution to the wind, but the thing that I've been prepared and dreading, you know, prepared for and dreading for almost three years has come and gone. And we're okay. Now we don't, none of us seem to have any long COVID like symptoms as far as I can tell. Um, I think we're all coming up completely back to hundred mm-hmm. percent. So it's, it's an odd 
feeling. It's a weight lifted for sure. Yeah. But it's like, you know, once you get that revenge you've always wanted in the movies, you know, the, the movie character finally kills the guy who killed his wife or whatever the case may be. And then it's like, okay, well, now what? And that is a what? I don't even know what that what that comparison you know what i'm saying like when you get the big when you get the big revenge you know in the movies and you finally get the big revenge then you're like well what do i do with my life well right okay well i mean you know is this is one of the i was talking to someone about this over the weekend that i think like one of the hardest things of getting covered the first time especially is the fear yeah 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 like I mean, of course, like any time you get it, it could be different, right? And like you have no long COVID symptoms this time, but it doesn't mean that you will remain sure. that way forever, right? But I 100%. guess that's the same with pretty much any illness. It can mm-hmm. all affect you in different ways or whatever. But it's like, I think that I know for me, that was one of the many things that I was experiencing, which was like, what is going to happen to me now? Like like yep. that, it was really disconcerting because I'd heard so many things and I did suffer for months, right? Like I had loads mm-hmm. of problems and they lasted, I don't know, like six months or something. And I think it's all cleared up now as far as I'm aware. Or maybe I'm just a different man now, you know? <laughs> uh, and I just am not aware anymore. But like, it's scary because you don't, you don't realistically know what's coming for you. And this isn't a thing that you feel when you get like the flu or a cold. You're just like, oh man, this is going to suck for a while. But you're not like... Will this change my life? Is this going to kill me? Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've never felt that before. I have had, I have been way, when I, I had COVID pretty bad, like not terrible, but pretty bad. It was the second worst I'd ever felt from an illness. The worst was when I had a viral throat infection. And like, it was just, everything was just the worst. But like, at no point during that was I like, uh-oh, am I going to be changed forever? So I think yeah. that's just like, that's the mental like complication with this thing of like, because we've all heard so many people that have had issues or we've heard stories of people, you know, like you know, stories about people that have had issues and we all know someone in our lives that was dealing with it in some different way that it's just like, am I going to be one of those people now? Yeah, it's messed up, yeah. man. But I'm happy that you got through it okay. Like if you're going to have to do it, then at least you got through it fine this first time. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, like I said, for, for me, the executive summary was a moderate cold. For Aaron, the executive summary is a really crappy, really severe cold. Yeah. And for the kids, it was, what? We yeah. were sick? You know? That's great. <laughs> and and honestly, I mean, like, and this I is the benefit of science, right? Like a genuine, absolutely. this is the benefit of science. Like, absolutely. Yep. Because we were as vaccinated as we could possibly be. I mean, short of like going in and being like, oh, I forgot my card. Can I just have another one, please? You know, yeah. like we didn't do yeah. any of that shenanigans, but we were as vaccinated as we could get all of us. And, um, and yeah, I think in no small part because of science in large part because of science, we came through it mostly okay. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny because for a fleeting moment afterwards, after I was feeling much better, I was like, man, this is what I've been worried about for three years. And immediately my brain was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You weren't vaccinated six ways to Sunday three years yeah. ago, tough guy. Like, relax on that train of thought a little bit. But I mean, it's also different, like, in different ways, like, worse for some people, better for others, or totally, just, like, you know, like, different it has strains changed. now. Yeah, yep, it's yep, changed. Yep. So, this is just life now. And, like, my hope is like, that we'll get like a COVID booster every year, same as way as we did get a flu booster. Mm-hmm. But same. I was talking, yeah, this is, I mean, all this stuff is anecdotal, but again, we're talking about it with friends over the weekend. Like, I don't know anyone like in my extended circle in the UK that has had COVID uh, this year. 
Really? Which is really oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. I know people in my extended friends group in other countries that have had it. Sure. And I'm sure, sure people are getting it. I'm not like COVID's gone now. But like there is something <laughs> different about it. Like I feel like yeah. this year it has been different. Like I, I feel like I'm hearing about it less and less. So my hope is just like every year we get flu jab, get a COVID jab, and we just you know, we just make it part of like dealing with it the best we can. You know what I mean? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And again, I mean, we were very lucky. You know, we did this for the most part on easy mode. I think Erin would disagree with me on that because she suffered the most of us. And, you know, in in a perfect world, I would have preferred, well, not to have gotten it. But if we're going to get it, I wish I had had the hard mode and she the easy mode. But nevertheless, you know, it was all of us at once. It was never that bad for any of us. We had some friends, you know, deliver us some food once or twice, you know, which they offered to do, which was very kind, you know, a, a contact-free delivery. Of course, they just dropped it on the front porch and ran. But uh, we, we, we had this done about as easy as you could. And we're very lucky for that, which is basically the exact opposite of your experience, which was not even on hard mode. It was not even on expert mode. It was like full-on nightmare mode. So um, I'm glad you took one for the team, Mike. So we didn't have to. Thanks, buddy. Sounds like nothing to do with me. <laughs> well, either way. I don't know. I don't know if that karma is related or not. But one way or another. <laughs> What's the karma? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. But uh, but no, I'm glad. I'm glad. I am thankful that not only did we get through it, but more importantly that we got through it. Seemingly no worse for wear. You know, knock on my relay wooden cube here. This episode is brought to you by Fitbod. Maybe you've had something happen in your life and you want to get fitter from it. <laughs> because, look, getting fitter, whatever that means for you, exercise has knock-on effects in other areas of your life that you might not expect. You may have more energy. You may sleep better. Endorphins, baby. I know I feel better when I exercise. But it can be hard to know where to start, which is why I'm pleased to let you know that FitBod is an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan that is just for you. FitBod has an algorithm that learns about you and your goals and your training ability to create a dynamic custom program based on your experience and any equipment that you have access to. This is all within one app that makes it incredibly easy to learn how to perform every exercise. Everybody has their own fitness path. This is why FitBod uses data to make sure they customize everything to suit you exactly. They have powerful technology that is there to understand your strength training ability. It will study your past workouts, learn from them, and adapt to what you're doing. Your training plan will maximize fitness gains by intelligently varying intensity and volume between sessions. Personal fitness shouldn't be about competing with others. You want to do something that's right for you because that's when it sticks. And this is what FitBot is all about. Not looking at other people, tailoring something for your needs. FitBot's app has over 1,400 HD video tutorials. So these are of the exercises that you're going to be doing. They break them down into these videos shot from multiple angles with instructions so you can learn how to perform them on. It makes it so easy. And for me, breaks down those barriers so I feel like I can actually take on each exercise that I'm learning and do it and feel confident with it because when I'm feeling confident, it gives me a good base to then go ahead and continue the workout. It also integrates with your wearables, so your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, and also apps you use like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. Fitbod, though, is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. And you can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me slash analog. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash analog. That is 25% off your membership at fitbod.me slash analog. Our thanks to Fitbod for the support of this show and Relay FM. Mike, how, what are the happenings? What's the happy haps on Mike.social? 
Yeah, I wanted to just give a little bit of follow-up about my Mastodon experience. So uh, this has been like an ongoing thing for me. And I would say that overall, like I'm really happy with how I'm using the service. I'm happy with the balance that I'm finding in my life with how much time I'm spending with it, that kind of stuff. So I'm in, like, I think that the time that I'm spending each day is good. I have a 15-minute app limit on Ivory. And oh, that's I'm, aggressive. That's not a lot of time. I'm not saying that's no. bad for the record, but that is not a lot of time. Because this way I'm doing more of what I want from it. So I'm able to interact with people a little bit, right? From like people sending me stuff, asking me questions, giving me follow-up, that kind of stuff. But my following list is really small. It's like 50 people. Mm-hmm. So there isn't a lot of actual content for me to consume. And right. that is better for me, like to not just get sucked into reading arguments and get sucked into little pieces of news and stuff. And so like I get the information that I'm looking for from the people that I want to like find out their opinions from in RSS a lot. And I'm finding that like follow keeping my following list really small is meaning that I'm not I don't have the compulsion to check ivory a lot because there's very rarely anything interesting no no that's not what i mean anything i know new, what you mean i know what you mean yeah right yeah, yeah. that there is less of a compulsion to keep checking because there isn't like when i use twitter every time i would pull to refresh there'd be new stuff ivory that's not the case over you a thousand people uh, yeah that that's bananas to me yeah. i'm not saying there was anything but that's wrong just with what that. happened just, right it's just what happened because i didn't try and restrict it like i used to have restrictions on it and then i let them go and then i restrict it again then i let them go but now i'm just like keeping my like list very small is meaning that there is just less stuff that i know is going to be there like you know Mm. i could go there right now and i could read probably the 20 posts that are there but I actually have a com- a complaint that I want to levy towards screen time in a minute, but oh okay, I can go and read the twenty posts that are there, but then I know there's no point checking back for hours at least to get maybe a small handful of things. So mm. the complaint that I want to make is like this morning I was like I opened Ivory and it was like you only have five minutes left. I'm like, but it's a new day, and the reason was someone posted like a video of some description or something and I watched the video and then that burned up like 10 minutes. It's like, I feel like if I'm in Safari, right, in in a Safari web view, stop counting it towards the app. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That's squishy. Like I could make that argument either way, but I totally understand what you're saying and that's that's tough. Because then I watched like a five minute YouTube trailer and now I get five minutes less ivory time but that's fine you know it's just like all right now today I know I won't check it at all and I'll check in tomorrow or whatever I think it's great people are being super nice like I've heard mixed reviews from people right about their ivory ex- they're like mastodon experience my mastodon experience so far for like people sending me messages and stuff is better than what I experienced to Twitter something oh, one thing I will mm-hmm. say my follow account is really small <laughs> I uh, mm-hmm. I messed this up. I know this, right? By not jumping in soon enough, I sacrificed that, right? Like, and so I don't think I gave the ability for a lot of people that were following me on Twitter to one know I was on Mastodon or to use a lot of the um, tools that were available earlier to like move to Don. You know, like those kinds of things. Because mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. put so I, that's going to be if I want to try and build that up now. I'm back on that train. Like I've got a long way to go, right? Sure. Like I have like seven thousand Mastodon followers, and I had like mm-hmm. I don't know, like forty thousand Twitter followers or whatever. 
So maybe nobody cares about me anymore. She's fine. <laughs> you know, oh, or I'm just going to choose that it's because I wasn't using it. And so like now I'm using it and I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in the habit of using it a little more carefree, mm-hmm. which I know I used to enjoy more. So like rather than just <laughs> posting work stuff and like this is what I'm working on, which is the primary use of me doing it is, is to be able to promote my work and talk to people about my work. I'm also just trying to post stuff. Like I was just posting some pictures of a cool uh, finder keycap that I got because I thought that the old nerds on Mastodon will enjoy it, and I think they did. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm just trying to. I'm, what I want to say is I'm trying to be more carefree of it. I think I found a really good balance. Um, I think that some of my initial feelings about why I didn't want a Twitter-like service were actually misguided. How so? So there are other parts of the internet that I think are harder for me. And like, you know, from feedback and that kind of stuff and just th- that make me feel worse. And I'm working on cutting those out because, and, and that's going pretty well so far. Um, and I think really the problem that I was having with Twitter was the outrage machine part. Yep. Big and time. I have found a way to basically remove that from my life by keeping my follower list really small. Uh, I am turning off boosts a lot more from people you know Mm -hmm. like you 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 can like i have a lot of friends that are really good but they boost too much Mm -hmm. and so i want to see less of that and i'm just choosing to stay informed about things in ways that make more sense for me with news feeds and stuff like that so that's kind of that's working way better for me as a balance for this kind of social media um where realistically i am using it to talk to people more directly, which is what I was doing with Twitter. As I said, I never tweeted, right? And I'm using it less as a uh, consumption medium, like of just reading Mm -hmm. an endless feed of what people were talking about. I enjoyed that when it was good, but the problem for me is it's mostly not good. And so I'm liking that kind of pullback. Yeah, yeah. I I have had a couple of, as, as we've talked about on the show, a couple of experiences with Mastodon that have been very, very Twitter-like, but on the whole, it has been much better and much nicer. And I have very much valued having the uh, the excuse to reshape my following list. And I think we've talked about this on on the show before, but my following list on Twitter was like three hundred is three hundred ish people, and I followed every single one of those people because I enjoy what they're saying, but. At some point, it became too much, and it became too much probably like 100 to 200 followers before I realized it, you know what I mean? Or followings, whatever. Anyway, um, so when I jumped over to Mastodon, like you, I have been considerably more selective about the people I follow. And that's not necessarily because I don't like the people that I was following on Twitter, you know, where I've decided I'm not interested in what they have to say. But for my own sanity, I really need to not be following hundreds and hundreds of people. So you are following uh, 46 people, and I am following, where am I, 67 people. And that's probably, I I think I definitely want to keep it to 100 or less. I don't personally want to go too far above this, but, you know, occasionally you'll find somebody that you're like, oh, I really really don't want to miss out on what they have to say, and then you'll add. I'm holding off on that. And, like, so there's a lot of friends that I'm not following, but this is just a thing that I'm going to have to deal with. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's, like, these are people that I, a lot of them are people that I know and have spent time with and deeply enjoy in real life, but I need to kind of separate those things. Yeah, you're keeping yours real low, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 
And it's not, I mean, if you happen to be listening to this and you happen to be one of those people, it's not that I don't enjoy you. It's not that I don't want to hear what you have to say. It's just, this isn't the particularly right avenue for me to receive those things. You know what I mean? Like I need Mm -hmm. this to be quieter. And, and I think that that was a very smart choice. I think the bolder choice could have been to start unfollowing a ton of people on Twitter years ago, but I didn't have the, let's call it the gumption to do that. um, This gave a good point to just, like, yeah, I didn't have to unfollow anyone. I just, I'm not following (laughs) people. Like, it's a difference. I don't know. No, I, I totally hear you and I agree. Um, no, no, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're having fun with it. I'm glad yeah, you're having a good time with it. I'm, Ivory is excellent. I'm lucky enough to have to be on the Ivory for Mac beta, which is very, very good. I got into that one. I never got into mm-hmm. the iOS one, but I got into that. Oh, one. Oh, interesting. It was just like they put out one of the links, and I just so happened to be online. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't even know how, like, because it just I I wasn't like checking it. I just it was just lucky. I think someone posted it in Discord or whatever, and I just so happened to be there. And I just mm-hmm. hit it, and it's like, yep, you're in. It's like, wow, okay. Yep. And it's very good. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's very good, and it's getting better very, very quickly. So, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying Ivory. Yeah, there's some stuff I would really like from the app, but, like, it seems like the complexities of Mastodon are strange. Like, you know, like, there are other apps that do this better. Like, if it's really hard to sometimes just read someone's post if they're on another server, mm-hmm. which is particularly highlighted if you have your own instance like i do <laughs> right so like yeah yeah yeah. it's it, yeah so like some but some apps do a better job of this than ivory mm-hmm. does like um mona yeah by the guy who made spring mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that does a lot of this stuff better of like talking to other instances more easily but right mastodon is clunky it is clunky it is very clunky. That is a very good one-word summary for Mastodon. Like, I like Mastodon, but clunky is exactly right. It's clunky. And, like, and I saw, like, over the last week or so, there have been some instances that were, that were like, down, right? Like, and that was complicated. <laughs> of Like, I saw someone mm-hmm. saying, like, if my, if the instance that I'm on goes down, what do I do? And it's like, right, right. nothing. Like, yep. I don't think you can do anything. So yeah, it's compl- this is again one of those things where it's like I'm sure it adds additional issue, but having my own instance, like uh, the only problem I'm going to have is if my host goes kaput. But I figure right. I can probably just move it somewhere. Like I'm I'm pretty happy with my decision to have my own instance because I don't have to worry about anything administrative. I don't have to worry about any person deciding they don't want to do it anymore or whatever. Like it's just like just like I have my own website. Like this this works yeah. for me. You know what's interesting about having your own instance? Um, I don't. I'm just using Mastodon.social, and I don't know if I'm going to stick with that or not. Current theory is I will, but uh, but the the appeal of having your own instances and the draw is very strong. I will I will concede. But nevertheless, um, as as an instance owner, you could choose to completely like ban or defederate other instances. I believe so. Like on Mastodon.social. Whenever I get a follow from someone on noagenda.social, which I know almost nothing about, although smells a bit like it's a little bit MAGA-y, uh, I don't know that for sure. I may have that totally wrong. I haven't really looked into it. But it Isn't that that podcast a... by the guy who created podcasting? I have no idea. Maybe you're right. I have no idea. But one way or another, uh, the Mastodon.social people have said, oh, we, as the instance owners, you must actually go in and approve anyone who tries to follow you from noagenda.social. And you could do that with your, for yourself. 
with you know so they so that people from some you know super gross instance can't just follow you you have to prove it you could just i think straight up defederate an entire other instance or something like that um so that they don't even get to see your stuff no matter what you have a lot more controls as an instance owner than i have as just a consumer which is kind of cool and, and does appeal to me even though i don't have any specific you know desires to use that right this minute mike you released some, well, you as a collective, I guess, or maybe just Mike, you can tell me about this. Um, you, you slash you and Gray uh, uh-huh. put something on YouTube that I don't think Gray had anything to do with based on my recollection of your episode of Cortex talking about this. Yep. Um, you have a new product, which is yep. the Sidekick, and you have a new video about it. And I wanted to talk to you about this video. Um, if you're not a Cortex listener, uh, certainly feel free to tune into that episode of Cortex, which we will link in the show notes. It is very, very good. Um, I thought you guys did an excellent job of delineating the advertisement part of the episode and the discussion about the product. Um, you had, that was a really, really tricky thing. You know, really, you really had to thread that needle just right. And I think you two achieved it. Yep. And everyone has their own tastes, right? Some people felt like, and I knew, I said this in the episode, like we, we basically spent, I don't know, 90 minutes of a two hour episode talking about a product that we made called the sidekick notepad. Uh, we'll talk about that next time (laughs) sidekick notepad and I've been working on it for nearly two years and we had a bunch of stories to tell and so we took the time to tell them but also it's in an episode where you're telling people about a product that you've made and you'll want people to buy it so (laughs) yeah please take my please let let, let us take your money and also let's tell you about the reasons why we should take your money so I tried to like say like this is the thing this is what it does this is why you should buy it right like let's draw a line here now let me tell you about what it was like to actually have this product made and then at the end we'll sell it to you again but yeah i understand that some people would like look at the entire 90 minutes and be like you're just trying to sell it to me and it's like okay yeah i mean i didn't get that feeling but i get you i brought it up on the episode like and i and as i said like people that understand what we were trying to do with that episode i appreciate it but if you didn't i'm not gonna be mad at you like yeah it's fine yep so the the episode is very good but i wanted to talk to you I mean, we can certainly talk about the sidekick. No, and, no, no, and, no. I've spoken about Psychic Notepad enough, and I will continue to be talking about it for years, okay. so we don't need to sell it here, but we <laughs> we could talk about the video. Okay, but before, let's just quickly drop in. It is cortexbrand.com, is that correct? Cortexbrand. Okay. I just want, I, okay, excellent. So if you if you fancy it, uh, what we're talking about, just very briefly, I'll do it since Mike doesn't want to. It's a, it's a little notepad, or not so little. It's a notepad that's designed no, 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 to no, sit. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If we're going to give it the time for an actual promotion, I will do it. Like, don't get me <laughs> well, wrong, my Okay, friend. all right. Well, how about let, let's do a very, let's do the, the elevator pitch promotion, if you don't mind, because I think I it'll be good one. for context, yeah. if nothing else. Sidekick Notepad is a landscape notepad that is designed to sit between you and your keyboard. Um, it's there and open. It's it's intended to be an open book. That's how we've designed it. It has a cover, but it's designed to flip very neatly around. Um, and it's right there with you. It's like three quarters dot grid, one quarter to-do list. So you can take down your notes while you're at work, take down your to-dos. It's also perfect to take to meetings. So you don't have to have a computer in front of you in the meeting. You just have a beautiful notepad in front of you. It allows you to stay engaged with the people that you're meeting with. doesn't put up the barrier of a laptop, which I was always a thing that I have felt in meetings. And that way you can write down all your notes from the meeting and you can take down your action items. And then when you're done with either your day's notes or the notes of the last few days or the notes from that meeting, it's all perforated, you pull it out, and you're ready to start again. High quality through and through, 
Yep, and it's clearly been thought about. And if you don't believe that Mike has thought a lot about it, listen to that episode, that episode of Cortex, because there is so there there are so many stories that that Mike and, and Gray talk about about the the trials and tribulations of bringing this to to, mm-hmm. to market. And it's really fascinating. But I, like I said, I want to f- to concentrate on the Sidekick uh, Notepad video, and I I I really enjoyed the video. I thought it was very well done, and it was funny to me in a good way trying to see how you put this together knowing to some degree the equipment you had not mm, equipment isn't right the 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 places that you had available to you you know so it seemed to me and i think you confirmed this in, in cortex that almost all this was filmed in the mega studio and yeah. you know i see adina is filling in as like your co-worker in one of the shots which <laughs> the i thought boss, was very funny actually the, the boss, which is yeah, quite yeah. clear from that video adina is <laughs> laying down the law in her segment uh, you know, same as it ever was. Am I right? But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, it, it was a really well done video. And and what what struck me about this in part, and I and I'd love to talk to you about the video and how you made it. But also, what struck me about this was just a, a few weeks before, and then a, a week or so before I saw the video, I had done a couple of small, very small Final Cut Pro projects for myself. Hmm. One of them was uh, Michaela did like a Christmas pageant with her preschool. And Aaron and I, we didn't film the entire thing, but we would film like individual songs and, you know, like her singing individual songs or what have you. And then it turned out that I was able to grab a recording of the entire pageant that was put together by the preschool. Right. So I have like a way zoomed back uh, video of the entire stage with, you know, 50 kids on it or what have you. And then I have individual short videos of individual songs, some from Aaron's phone, some from my phone, and a handful from my Zoom on my big camera. And I put together this like multi-cam project on Final Cut Pro uh, that that was generally the big wide view that the, the school had put together. But, you know, when she was singing, I would occasionally go into one of our f- cameras and swipe swap between them and so on and so forth. And similarly, when we were at Disney, um, there was a big tall slide that Michaela did. I think we talked about this last time. There's a big tall like water slide that Michaela did, and I was up there helping her get on the slide and and filming it. Then Aaron was down at the bottom filming the bottom, and I put together like a literally 15, 20 second you know multicam video in Final Cut Pro of all of these things. And it occurred to me while I was doing that, and then while I was looking at the Sidekick Notepad video, it's funny how those vlogs of yours and for me Casey on Cars have come back around to to maybe inform maybe help make some of these things easier and I mean you're, I hear you kind of grimacing so maybe that's not true at all yeah i know why you would think that because but no i thought oh i <laughs> this will be fine <laughs> i've used yeah, yeah, final yeah. cut before sure all how hard could it me, be all it helped me was just the very basics of how to put a final cut video together that was all it did outside of that i had to learn and execute something very fast and in high pressure like Mm -hmm. shooting a product and trying to make it look good was so hard so hard i had to buy so many lights casey do you have any idea how hard it is to light something i don't i genuinely do not i bought like I I bought a car. I had like five lights in use at at a time for every shot, and then something that I would use handheld, and then like I also bought this like cool little camera slider, which I was really happy with. That's like so when you see movement, 
It's an automated mm-hmm. slider from a company called Edelkron. Have you? I had one of their products once before when I made I made a video about um, the Nintendo Switch, and they had like a kind of a manual thing. They make a product called the Slider One, and it is a motorized camera slider, and it has an app, and like you can move it manually, or you can set like move from this position to this position. That was a godsend for me. Interesting. This okay. In mm-hmm. in adding a, this was Gray's recommendation. He was like, "Get a camera slider. Like it will make a difference. It will make the video look more professional, and also, I think, quite rightly, tricks people into thinking it's more professional because it's the thing you see in professional <laughs> videos." Sure. Um. So the, I got that, but then also like my friend Ian, he's really good at keyboard photography and keyboard mm-hmm. uh like video stuff. And I'll put his YouTube channel. Uh, he's the guy who interviewed me. Right. Okay. That's what right? I thought. So Ian's really good at that sort of stuff. And he made a bunch of recommendations for lights for me to buy. And also mm-hmm. just kind of put the idea into my head of like, you can never light enough with this kind of stuff. Like <laughs> you sure. always want more light for these kinds of things. And then it was just like, I just got to work, man. Like this video took like 35 hours and I did it in like two weeks. And it was hard and difficult, and there were I loved it, and then I hated it, and then I liked it again. But if this was my project, like that, so I I told Gray I was gonna do it, and I was like, I'm just gonna go do this thing, and then I went away and get, gave him an edit, and he was pretty surprised over what I'd done because he just didn't know what I was aiming for, mm-hmm. um, because I was, and because initially my idea was like it would be more like how I do streaming. Like it was just going to be top down and then it was going to be me to the camera and like just a quick thing like, hey, this is how you use it. And then I was like, no, I think I can do more with this. And mm-hmm. then it became a lot more just like from what I was attempting to achieve. And I don't feel like I made something that's like a masterpiece here, but I feel like I achieved what I was looking for where, I don't know, it has more of a, uh, it has more of a professional feeling vibe to it than what I initially thought I was going to do. I mean, of course, like with anything, I did not achieve everything I wanted, right? But, you know, and you're saying like, how involved was I? So I showed it to Gray, and then as we were finishishing up, that's when Gray became like full-on editor and like was made. <laughs> no, it, no, in a great way. He was like, cut right. this, trim that, tighten mm-hmm. this up, trim this, like exactly what I would want. I mean, I have the honor of having one of the best YouTubers in the world look at my video, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, everything he said, I implemented it, except one thing, because there was a shot that I liked, he didn't like as much, and was like, I would cut this, but I didn't want to cut it, because I really liked it. Um, Because I I thought it was showing off something of the product that was important, and so I kept it. But, like, everything else, it's just like, anything that he recommended, I would do. Because one of Gray's absolute skills which i think a lot a lot of people would see is his editing how he understands how something should be cut he understands the amount of time you should linger on a shot or not right like where all the cuts should be you know like this is a thing i've learned from him with podcast editing like with the way that i edit cortex but i very rarely need his help for video because i don't do it but like when he was telling me like you should tweak that cut that tweak that cut that it's like yeah i'm gonna do it right because like he's the man you know why would i not do what he said so he was involved from that perspective but this was just very much my thing and then one day like gray will make a video of his own right um 
and I'm in, and it will be very different. But this was like, I want to do this now. Like when we have products, I want to make these kinds of things because I'm proud of it. Like I like it, it. And, and I can't believe how many views it's got. Like I I don't understand. Like it's like nearly forty five thousand views. It's like I don't understand why so many people have watched this video. But I'm so grateful that they did. Like yeah, yeah. It just is. It's very obvious that it is an ad, right? Like it is a product video. I think it is incredibly yeah, totally. obvious, and like people seem to dig the video. And it's like that. That for me is the biggest compliment that it's been viewed so many times, and like the video retention is good. Like people are watching it. Like they're not just like I was like, oh, easily people are just gonna click and then click off. But no, they're like watching the videos. Oh man. Like that is one of the big achievements for me over this whole process. Of like, I actually made a video that people wanted to see. Like, I can't, I, I can't believe it, but like, I'm super happy about it. No, I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was well done. Um, I, I loved the scene with with Adina, and uh, you know, as you were talking earlier, I was like, man, why? In what way am I supposed to glean that Adina is the boss in this? And then as I'm like, just have it on in the background as you're talking. I see that during that meeting, you're writing a lot of to-dos. Yeah, <laughs> she it's a lot of pointing, which was my direction. It's just like, just point at me a lot. And she's like, <laughs> she's there's a lot of pointing going on. I like that scene. And my other favorite scene is the one where, um, or shot, I should say, rather than scene. It's the I'm one sure. where I've got the desk mat, like the leather desk mat and all of the things around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the color, like this is yep, all like samples colorful. of paper and mm-hmm. stuff. Like mm-hmm. that was so complicated. <laughs> so I am behind a tripod. Oh, that's a, that's not fun. I'm reaching a re- through yep. the tripod. No, at that yep, point, yep, yep. I was inside the tripod. That's what I was doing. <laughs> so I raised the tripod to its maximum and then pulled it up to the top and then had it hanging over me on the slider. So it's going from left to right. I had to climb under and inside of the tripod so I could oh, no. write and use my hands, right? So oh, that goodness. was that was actually quite a lot of fun. Like this was the part that I enjoyed of like there were things I wanted to do and I did not know how to do them. So I had to just work it out. Like yeah. oh, I want it to look like this. How do you do that? I don't know. Like and so I just had to kind of just like and that's why it took me so long because mm-hmm. I there were so many things that I would do and I'd be like and I'd look at them and like that looks terrible. <laughs> and so like I'd have to go back and start again. Like there was a lot a lot a lot of it. I also got bit by HDR as well. So like I had some shots on my iPhone of the production process. Like I took some videos and Uh, HDR video in an SDR project like doesn't work. And like there are ways around it, but like I just didn't bother spending the time on it and I'll fix that later on. I'll use those clips another time. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I almost wonder if that would have taken away because this is a very, this is a very focused video that knows yeah, what think it wants right. to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think right. that even though I would have been fascinated to see those videos, I think you were better off not having included them because this is so focused the way it is. The other yeah. one I really liked, the other shot I really liked was you showing off the, um, what's the feature where you can, you know, it'll, it'll read text on the screen. Live and text. Copy it. The live text. And yeah. you, you put the iPhone on there. I think I would have been reluctant to do that because I'm, oh, I'm not, I shouldn't be selling features of Apple products right now. I'm trying to sell the notebook, but no, 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 I would have been wrong. You are dead right to include this. And I think it was a very smart decision. I thought you handled it really well. I know my audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it was well done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just feel like, look, yes, this is pen and paper, but like, 
because this is what I do, like there was another shot that I didn't include because this was one of the things that Grace had to just cut for time where like I'm saying, you can also add the to-dos to your to-do app. And so like there's a second shot Mm. of Mm. that layer where I'm adding the unchecked to-dos from the notepad into Todoist. But he's just like, this is going on too long. Um, I, this was that was actually the shot where Gray was like, um, "Do you, like is this worth adding?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "I think it is. Like, I think it is worth adding because I the live text one, yeah. Because for me, the reason that's important is I want to show that, like, because I think a lot of people just don't use pen and paper tools, right? They use computer mm-hmm. tools, and and I just wanted to explain why I think that." even in a digital setup, this stuff can be useful and you can use it as like a, in conjunction with, like I've, I've kind of spoken a lot about in my mind, like this product, it sits as like an in-between, like it's physically in between you and your keyboard, but I also like it as the idea of it's in between your computer and you or like meetings in your computer. Like it sits mm-hmm. in the middle of like your, if your digital life and your physical life and stuff like that. So it made sense to me and I, that no, was I one agree. that I really wanted to keep. And I'm happy that you like it. I also just think the shot looks cool because it also worked, which was helpful. <laughs> First time. Yeah. So thank you, Apple. Live text was... I mean, to be honest, I didn't paste whatever it was I copied. So who knows sure, what that sure. said. That is but also still, that, that page. There are tons of Easter eggs in this video. Tons. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that's written down is a reference to something or something else. The text that I'm copying is a reference to an old episode of Cortex where Gray is talking about an office mate that he has. Oh, yes. The one that heard him talking all the time or whatever. Yes, when he was narrating the Rule for Rulers video. And yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. a three-episode arc, which ended in that, where like Gray was like talking about like he was really bothered by this person that was in his office all the time. And then I ended up working out after seeing the Rules for Rulers video that Gray was the problem because he's standing in his in his office talking about how you got to break down the powers of like and, t- and capture the keys. Like he's just <laughs> hearing this person over and over again. But nevertheless, the text that's on that notepad is what Gray was seeing on the guy's whiteboard. Like impact, oh, swiftness is important. Yes, Responsiveness. Yes, yes. These are the things written on the note on that. And so I put those on there. But yeah, there's loads of if you want to watch the video, just and you're if you're a Cortex listener, there's loads of Easter eggs in the video. So as you're talking, um, I'm I have the YouTube video paused and I try and it apparently it is smart enough on Safari to let you select the text. So I'm looking at impact swiftness, swiftness is important, blah blah blah. Oh, wow. And I selected haha business and it got ha la exclamation point business capital i which truth be told is pretty good actually that's not bad at all yeah my handwriting's i mean because that looks more like an l than a h but but the haha business was just a, i added that one in you know <laughs> that was that I one mean, was how can you, it's the, you know the haha business meme right yeah 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 yeah. uh no this was this was very well done i i i really thought you did an excellent job um another shot that you know as i'm watching this you know on repeat basically uh another shot that i really liked which must have been a nightmare to get right is you have what looks like a closed, it's not the sidekick, I don't think, but it's a closed notebook. You're super, super close. Closed notebook on the left. This is one minute, 54 seconds. Sidekick logo is shimmering and the in the brain. That is the closed, on this on the cover of the sidekick notepad, okay, there is a Cortex logo on it, mm-hmm. as okay. well as the sidekick thing. So how I did that, so this was like, I that actually wasn't so hard because I'd already done it by that point, like in a different way. I got a handheld Elgato light. 
This thing's called the Keylight Mini. Interesting. Okay. Uh And I'm following with my hand above the slider. And I got you. Mm-hmm. And I'm lighting the area because the way that the reason that lights up is it's debossed, and then there is this thing. It's called a foil, but it's like a clear something, like a clear plasticky thing that is like heated into the area, and mm-hmm. so it gives it a shine. I got you. That's very cool. It's one of the. This is one like that is like one of those things of like I just wanted to do that. I thought it would look cool for the product, and it does. And it looks super, and little did I know, also looks super good for the video. And then, of course, there is the segment where I'm showing off just a selection of my mini keyboards. Uh, I noticed. I noticed. Don't you worry. Uh, I totally noticed. But uh, no, the, the the video is very, very good. It's three minutes and two seconds, of which the last like five seconds is just the the URL at the bottom. So mm-hmm. it's not a big expenditure of time for you to go check this out. And uh, and no, I I, re- I thought you did a very, very good job. And. Now that it's done, I mean, you've said a couple of times, I think both today and in other places, you hated this video for a while, but now that it's done... I hated the making of it. There was just like a really rough part where like I needed like three shots and I couldn't get them. Like, and it Mm. was really dragging me down. I couldn't work it out, Um, but I got it in the end, right? And so now, like watching now, I'm proud of it. Like, it's the best thing I've ever put on YouTube. Like, 100% (laughs) is the best thing I've ever put on YouTube. And so I'm really happy with it. No, I, again, you did an excellent job um, and you should be proud of it. So are you excited to do the next one whenever that time comes or are you dreading it or a little of both? How do you feel? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm already doing more. Like Part of this was also like, this isn't just YouTube videos now. Like I'm effectively, I'm building a setup here in the studio over the not too distant future to, to be able to shoot product videos, product photos always. One of the things about the Psychic Notepad is that it is way easier to understand what it is in just a photo or a video more than Mm -hmm. the journal. The journal requires more information. So this product, like I'm putting stuff on the Cortex Instagram all the time. Like just yesterday I did it where I actually, I put up an Instagram reel yesterday where I'm checking something off with my right hand. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'm sure I've seen this, but I didn't notice that. Because one of the things that we got a lot of feedback from people that were like, this product's made for lefties. It's not made for lefties. It's just every shot is left-handed because I did all of it, right? Like if I could go back and change one thing, that would be the thing that I would change is to have someone with a writing with their right hand or just for me to just have a pen in my right hand in more shots so people don't initially tie it to like that something's off. Like I think yeah, I a lot understand. of people see it. Look, I don't think people are judging it. Like I think people just look at it and they're like, something doesn't look right here, but they don't know what it is. <laughs> and so that's the one thing I would change. So that whatever. But now I'm like going to start shooting some more photos and quick video stuff with me holding a pen in my right hand and trying to check some things off or like put some lines under some stuff <laughs> or whatever the best I can with my right hand. The best you can, indeed. Next thing you know, you'll be ambidextrous. Well, I'm cross dominant. Um, but like, this is one of those things, most people don't notice it, but there are a lot of people that do notice it. And I, and I don't judge them for that. It's just like, they don't, I think a lot of people don't know what they're realizing isn't right, but something's yeah, just not yeah. right. And they don't know what mm-hmm. it is. Uh, so it's come, handedness has come back to me again. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. With Squarespace, you can stand out from the crowd of a beautiful website, engage directly with your audience and sell products, services, or content. Squarespace has got you covered from the beginning all the way through. Squarespace is an incredible place to start a business. It is an incredible place to create a website for an event. It is an incredible place to showcase your art. It is an incredible place to share your blog posts. They have tools for all of it, all the things in between, and things I haven't even mentioned. If something is going to go on the internet, Squarespace has all of the tools that you're going to need. For example, lots of people need SEO tools. Instead of having to do all of the work, researching, trying to work out how to do it, how do you stand out on a search engine, you can use Squarespace's suite of integrated features and useful guides to help maximize prominence among search results. Or what if you want to work out where people are coming from, right? So you've got a website, you're like, ah, where are people visiting from? Like, what are they doing when they're on the website? You don't need to worry about integrating any kind of analytics platform because Squarespace has it all. If you want to know where your site visitors are coming from, where your sales are coming from, which channels are most effective, everything can be analyzed right in Squarespace. Then you can use that data to improve your website, to build marketing plans, whatever you want, they've got it right there for you. And then let's imagine that you've got a blog going on and people are getting really engaged and like, hey, can you send us these posts by email? How would you do that? Well, what about a Squarespace email campaign? Why not encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers, starting them on the journey to becoming loyal visitors, loyal customers. You can just start with an email template, customize it in the same way that you can customize Squarespace's website templates, applying your brand ingredients, colors, fonts, logos, and then they also have, of course, built-in analytics to measure the impact of every send. If you want to put something online, go check out Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com analog and sign up for a free trial of no credit card required. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code analog. You'll save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com analog. Then when you sign up, use the offer code analog and you will get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. We're back, baby. We're back. Dun, 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 I was so hyped when they released the uh, the title sequence. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Ah, yeah. oh, that's mm-hmm. my favorite part. F1's back, baby! It is Come back. Come on. I'm so happy. Well, oh, I am so also happy. very happy. All right, before we talk about uh, this season, we need to at least briefly recap some of Drive to Survive. I will warn you now. We have, Aaron and I have three episodes left. We, right. we att- attempted to achieve the entire season before recording. I, I have failed you, Michael. I am deeply sorry. I failed out all of us. But uh, we, we have three episodes left. We just finished the episode about Chaco and Monaco and how he mm-hmm. won Monaco last year and, and so on. The one where apparently Max was really, really happy and it didn't bother him at all. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> I, gosh. I, so, so here's actually, that's a good segue. I wasn't in, in planning on talking about this, but... Um, I have been watching, you know, I think I'm on episode seven or eight. We just finished. Um, I've been watching the season. Um, I still just have an an absolute disgust with Christian Horner. I just find him to be. Have you gone to the cost cap episode? No, I don't think so. That's so so good. Um, So so good. But that guy's the, the worst. He is the he is the worst. But, but that when early on, it might have been the first episode when they're in the meeting when Toto was popping off about how you know I forget exactly what he was saying, but it they was were the talking about Paul saying, 
Yeah. And, and, and Christian was like, dude, we're not whining. If you've got a bad car, fix your car. And I was like, well, you know, you yeah, I appreciate that. But uh, I mean, look, I'm, I'm in the bag. We all know that. But I, <laughs> I still, I mean, look, also the FIA has agreed. They agreed yeah, yeah, yeah. with what Toto was getting at. The porpoising was too bad. They changed the ride heights this year. Like, Mercedes had it worse. For Mercedes, it was affecting their car. Everybody else, it was affecting the drivers. It just wasn't affecting the speed. But no yeah. one came out of that well. Everyone was having a bad time. And I'm pleased, no, that, they, right, right. I'm pleased that they fixed it. And I think that it's, it is fair, at least, that they wait until the next season came around to fix it, right? Like, yeah. Because then, you know... But, like, look... They fixed it. Mercedes still haven't got a competitive cost. It didn't make a difference anyway. <laughs> That's so. also true. Uh, but re- very quickly, I'm also learning that I am not an Otmar fan. I really dislike yeah, I him as well, actually. I don't know what's going actually. on with him, man. Uh, I, this is one of those things where I feel like they were, they were painting him in a particular light. That's very possible. Yep, I, th- yep, yep. I think that, I mean, I don't know what Marcef now, but like, I think that they were trying to make him look a little stuck up. Or petty, maybe. I don't know. Whatever it was. There was like a lot of shots of him like doing fancy things. <laughs> right? And so like, I think they would, yeah. and, but yeah, I mean, look, that, they also, have you watched the episode about Oscar Piastri? Yes, and the way yeah. the way they portrayed Otmar in that was not flattering at all. Well, they just, actually gave him a bit of a favor because so? they make it seem like ultimately everyone comes to an agreement. Oh yeah, but mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. true at all. Like Alpine took McLaren to contract court, right? And it was ruled that. Piastri was within his own rights to do that. That is not mm-hmm. included in Drive to Survive. I understand why, because it is ultimately like, how long do we want this episode to last and how complicated <laughs> do we want it to get? But they at least made it kind of look like that in the end, Otmar's happy with what he got. That was not the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, the other fascinating thing to me, and I mean, I know the purists will say, oh, you know, everything on Drive to Survive is made up anyway. And I don't really think that's true, but whatever. I think this is a return to form this season. Like, yeah, I I agree. I think that they did a great job of telling some actual stories mm-hmm. rather than manufacturing them. I agree, but what did I miss something? Because in the episode that I just watched, they're painting it as though Chaco was like getting shoved out the door at Red Bull until Monaco happened. And maybe I missed that last year, but I have no recollection they, of that. They definitely hyped that up, but his contract status was not clear up that, until yeah, that totally. point. So, like, there was questions about like what will Red Bull do, but like it wasn't as bad as they made it out. Because okay, that's one of the things that they're not mentioning is one of the reasons Checker wasn't doing so well was because their car kept breaking down. Right. right. Red Bull had horrific reliability concerns, like reliability issues at the start of the season. They were having double DNS all over the place. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, the thing that I find interesting about the Checo thing is like they spent all this time focusing on Monaco. And and spoiler for you, the Brazil thing is not mentioned at all in the entire Mm. season, right? When Max comes on the radio and is like, I ain't helping out Checo. Yeah, remember yeah, that yeah. when he went to yeah, and he's like, bit. "Don't mm-hmm. ask me to do that. I won't do it." Yep, which that's is that's not in the season. Reason, reason number seven million and five that I really dislike Max Verstappen. The <laughs> biggest drama of the season 
is not in Drive to Survive. Now, look, that's, I that's have my own conspiracy theories as to why they did that, but ultimately, maybe, well, I, I just think they got Max back this year. They didn't want to immediately show how bad he could be. Because his exactly problem was they yep. made him look like a villain. And like, because he is. And in that episode, there is a clip where he's just like, these things happen. It's like, you don't believe that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, theory, the, the, the theory is that time when he, he went out in Monaco, Max holds it against Checo, believes Checo did it on purpose, right? I think that's BS anyway, because... Agreed. My theory on this is like, being third, which is where he was in, in qualifying, being third at Monaco doesn't mean anything. Right. He was just Agreed. lucky that Ferrari had bad strategy, which meant by being third, he could win that race. But yeah, like, agreed. you're only going to put it in the... If you're ever going to put your car in the wall to protect a qualifying position, you would do it if you were first, right? If you're going to do it at all, which I do not believe he would do. Agreed. But you're not going to do it for third. Couldn't agree more. I'm right there with you. So this was the prevailing theory as to why Max was apparently mad at him, right? And I actually think there were people in the, as they say, Verstappen camp, like family, who were saying that that was the issue. (laughs) So I don't know, right? Like, we don't know because they've never said, but it seemed obvious. But, like, then there is this clip of, like, Max saying, like, I had no problem with this, like, in the episode, which is not true. Like, you know, it's just like the whole thing is silly. But nevertheless, like I'm not gonna gonna like quibble over it. They either a were told not to, or it was they are asked not to, or they just decided not to, which I actually think is the most likely. Like that, the drive to survive people didn't want to immediately exclude Max Verstappen again, <laughs> right? So like they would, I think that they kind of just like look the way that like is there is no proof of this. No one ever said it. So all we're going to be doing is kind of the thing that people don't like, which is like making a story of something that isn't like overtly there like chico being halfway out the door right right but that you could that, uh, genuinely though like i know what you mean but there would have 100 percent been people saying that at the time because people say it all the time including me including you if someone's not <laughs> locked in even if they are locked in like daniel ricardo right daniel ricardo was locked in at mclaren for years yeah. and we yeah. were all saying he's gonna get fired and he did so like yep. there would there would have 100 percent been people saying that like because there always is about the red bull seat right like can anyone stand up to the glory of Max Verstappen, right? Ugh. So that's mm-hmm. the thing that's always said. I guarantee you at some point this season, people will be saying it about Checo, right? Like they will. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's just is what it is, right? Um, but yeah, I would say overall, like I wasn't super looking forward to watching it this season because the last season left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth because it wasn't that great. And there was a lot of crap in there. And also just like the general reaction online to... Mm-hmm. The last season was also not good. It annoyed me when I was reading about how many drivers had given up so much time and nothing was used, right? Like that there were genuinely stories that could have been told and they had the footage of them but decided not to do them because they Mm -hmm. wanted to make it look like Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz hated each other instead. Like that's what they preferred (laughs) to do in that season. Um, And so... I wasn't like super looking forward to it, but this season I loved it. Like I think it was a return to form for them. They, the fact that they focused on the Oscar Piastri thing and the cost cap, like I was, I was so happy because they were two huge stories that weren't happening on track. So I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they didn't show it because like they don't have track footage necessarily to go along with these things. But they found a really good way to tell the stories, and the Piastri episode is 
awesome. It's one of the best episodes of Drive to Survive. Mm -hmm. They got so much stuff that I don't know how they got, right? Of like (laughs) showing the negotiations, like hearing Otmar and Zach Brown talking about like, like, oh, you know, this is going to cost us so much money. How much money is it really going to cost you in reputation? Like, it was awesome. So, anyway, Drive to Survive is great. We've had the first race of the season. Um, Indeed. It's a shame that we had like a two-week gap to the next one. But like, the schedule's weird this year in general. But uh, it was, a, I mean, I had a great time this weekend. It was a great race. Like, uh, it was it was fine. I don't know. I, I, People I, are like, I, oh, it was made up so, so. Yeah, but. Fernando Alonso, though, but like, he, he why was do, like just because Red Bull won two, that's obvious. Fernando Alonso was not the obvious podium, right? No, so, like, certainly not. It was a fantastic race because we got that, and there was some amazing midfield racing. It was a, I loved it. I had a great time this weekend. But I'm, you know me, Casey. I'm just happy when the cars are on track. I don't care what they're doing. <laughs> I just like watching them go around the track. I signed up for Sky this year. Okay, so what does that mean? I, I'm I'm not trying to be flippant. Basically, it's just, I, let's just I could just have, I sign up for cable. Basically, you imagine? Oh, that? okay, I got you. Um, mm-hmm. And now I can watch it in Atmos. In uh, sorry, in uh, Ooh. Is it At- Atmos is wait, which one is the HD Ultra HD thing? The uh, for audio Dolby I don't Vision. Know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry for video. Yes, 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 yes. Whatever Dolby it Vision. is. Yes. So they have mm-hmm. it in H- Ultra HD, as they call oh, it. Oh, interesting. I don't think the F1 TV stuff does that. That's awesome. Sky are doing it, right? It's Sky's That's thing. Cool. Like they're shooting yeah, yeah. it all. And they have the onboard camera thing, which you probably heard about a bunch. I don't know if that was on. I, I don't I didn't hear about it much during the broadcast, but that's so I typically I could get it on ESPN, you know, through terrestrial cable, but I typically use the F1 TV app uh on the Apple TV and, and then I will also second screen it on the iPad so I can either look at like telemetry, which I rarely do, or oftentimes I'll have like a particular driver's view if there's an interesting chase going on that they're not covering on the main feed. Um, And so I can swap between all the different driver views and and team radios and whatnot. Is that what you're talking about? Sky does that now. And you can do it in in their app or you can just do it, I can just do it on the TV. So they have all 20 onboards available and you can, they have like a battle channel, they call it. So like, if there's if there's a particular interesting battle going on on the track, but they're not showing it on TV, they just oh, show it like dedicated on that. Yeah. So okay. yeah, it's cool, man. Like I, I, but like I just wanted it to be able to watch the the coverage in the highest quality that I could get, and this is it. Mm-hmm. So like I'm, I'm, it's expensive, right? But this is I want this, and I'm really I'm actually really <laughs> happy with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Now it's been interesting. This race was super interesting because I feel like certainly in the you know five ish years that I've been watching F1 there's been way more turnover and shuffling about this year than any year I can remember. Um, which is very interesting. Like there's a lot of names that I'm like, Oh, right. They're racing now like DeVries and uh Sergeant. And I'm trying to think of who else is new Piastri. Um, you know, but there's a bunch of new names, you know, things have been shuffled around. It's fascinating to me to see Mercedes still being a pile of garbage. <laughs> like I wouldn't say they're a pile of garbage. Like my, my thing, the, they are, in my opinion, in a better place than they were this time last year. But what That's they have realized bar. is this is the best place they can be and it ain't good enough. So they're going back to the drawing yeah. board. I don't know what that's going to mean. Like Rebel, uh, Mercedes are being really cagey about this. Like mm-hmm. they're basically saying, and I love that they're being so open about it. Of like this concept doesn't work. And so now we need to go back to the drawing board. And it's like, does, does that mean they're going to do anything this year? Like it's, it's complicated to understand. Like, 
obviously th- what they're missing is the arrow. Like their aerodynamics are wrong because mm-hmm. look how good that Aston Martin is. Yeah. Right? Now that Aston Martin has a lot of Mercedes parts in it. And so I, I, my expectation is they're probably, if they can, if they have the ability and they have the money available, they will produce a body which is closer to the Red Bull body. Because that's what, yeah, yeah. That's what Aston did. It's why it's called the Green Ball. Have you heard this before? No, I have not. Last year it was called, people joking and calling it the Green Ball. And there was a race where all of the Aston Martin mechanics were drinking the lime-flavored Red Bull. <laughs> which was like their wink towards the idea that they knew people were calling it that. So they're That's all funny. drinking the green Red Bull, which is just like hilarious. But like if you look at the Aston Martin and the Red Bull, they clearly took a lot of inspiration from the the shape of the car. And mm-hmm. I think that like if you look at the Mercedes, the Mercedes is very um different in its body shape. And it's the side right. pods, right? The pods that come out the side mm-hmm. with the air intakes mm-hmm. on them. And like that's that's what people are suggesting is one of the big reasons um, as to why the, the Red Bull is slower. They went on a different concept and it's just not performed for them on track. Like for me, like I would love them to be winning, but I don't care that they're not because it's testing my fandom. And like anyone that thinks that I was just in it because they were winning, well, they're still my know. team. <laughs> like any, yeah, any yeah, yeah. performance, that I was, oh, I loved it. Lewis had a fantastic race. I was so happy with his performance. He did such a great job. Like, and con- considering what he had on at hand, and like, so the two of them was like, I was happy with that. Like, as a fan, I was like, this. I didn't expect any more than that. And I expect by the end of the year, like last year, they'll win. They'll win something. One of them will win something. They're not going to win yeah. the season. Like maybe next year. You know what I mean? But here's yeah. what I like about this season. It's even more mixed up than last time, right? Totally. Williams look great. Yeah, what is happening? McLaren's what a disaster. Is happening? Yeah. Right? And Williams are confident too. Like I watched Alex Albon after the race and he was like, this wasn't supposed to be a good track for us. And like we made it work. Like we have other tracks that we think will be better for our car. And we understand now a lot more about like the the what we can get out of this car. And so mm-hmm. like that looks great. Like Nico Hockenberg looked great. <laughs> I was happy to see Nico back. He looked fantastic. Um, yep. Logan Sargent, man. I don't remember Surprised seeing me. him covered at all during the broadcast. He wasn't really because he wasn't much of a race, but like he came in 12th or something. And mm. I was just like, buddy, you surprised me. Like, and I, USA. I, I had USA. zero hopes in him. I thought he was going to be like <laughs> the next... Mazepin or whatever, right? Like, they, oh, gosh, the right. reason for this, and look, I don't know him as a driver, but here was my concern with Logan Sargent, right? Usually, mm. when these guys come up into F1, they're like 1F3, 1F2, 1 Formula E. Like, they have this like lineage. He doesn't have that. Like, he was a good driver in F2, and he just got his super license with just the right amount of points. Oh, that's right. right? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my concern was that he might not be able to hold his own against some of the other drivers. That's that's fair. It looks like he can. So I'm like genuinely, I want him to do really well now to prove people like me wrong. (laughs) Right? No, genuinely. I I think like in a lot of the the media that I've been consuming beforehand, like YouTube videos and reading stuff, Everyone was thinking that he was going to suck. 
like that he was going to yeah, be totally. the worst this season like and and I don't think that he's showing that I think it's hard to tell one race in but he at least had a good first showing I was actually pretty bummed that he didn't score points I, I wanted him to pick up a point in the end uh, but yeah it was interesting that the midfield's all mixed up again right like Pierre Gasly had a fantastic race it's, it's hard to yeah, work he out he was a he, he, he gained like 11 places and like it's all mixed up in a good way like and now it's just all eyes on Aston Martin right yep. like if they can pull this off if Aston Martin can pull this off there is something that's going to happen this season that hasn't happened in maybe 10 or 15 years but there's Which a is. new contender Mm. It's been three teams, right? And for a while, one of them was not doing nothing. Ferrari, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, if yeah. we now have four teams like that are fighting for victories, that's different, mm-hmm. right? No, totally, and, like, totally. I was like, look, I know that Mercedes are best of the rest at best right now, but if things follow like they did last year, like they have the ability to win, right? Which I expect what they will achieve at some point, like you were saying. And so do I. But like now we have Aston Martin hopefully in the mix as well. And I will tell you right now, there are a lot of people with a lot of mixed views on this. I could not respect Lance Stroll enough for what he did this weekend. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I actually, leaving aside when he either clipped or got clipped by Fernando, um, I actually thought he put together a really good race, especially for Lance Stroll. <laughs> like he actually did a pretty good job. Yeah, but you know what he was coming into this race with, right? Oh, yo, that's right, because he had, like, busted up his hands or something Broken like that. Toe, that's right, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fractures in both wrists. Oh, One of them had yeah, pins um, in it a mm-hmm. week before. Yeah, that's nuts. It Absolutely was, not. It felt dangerous, but, like, yeah. I'm confident that, that they were sure. Like, Lawrence Stroll was asked by Martin Brundle, like, can he do this? He's like, yep, we put him through multiple full simulator loads before he came to the track, like... We were confident he was ready. All the doctors passed him. And he had a great race. Like, yeah, he really did. I am personally a Lance Stroll apologist. <laughs> I think people do not give him enough respect because his dad owns the team. Yeah, yeah. Because Lance won. But did he win Formula 2? Oh, I, I, I don't recall, to be honest with you. Right, like he had a pedigree coming into this. Like, it wasn't that he, yeah, he won. He won Formula Three. He came from Formula Three, where he won Formula Three. So, like, he has that same kind of like could win championships, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. isn't like as I was just saying earlier about Logan Sargent, right? But like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you see these guys and like, oh yeah, he won this and he won that and he won this. His dad can't pay for him to win. He still has <laughs> to do it, right? Sure, sure. And I think that he does a good job. I think he's good. Like you compare him to Nicholas Atifi, right? Mm-hmm. Right? And you have Mazepin, and Stroll's way better than that. So my yeah, hope for this season is not just that Aston Martin's good, which I do want because, you know, I have a soft spot for Aston Martin, right? Yep, and he, yep. You put... The Union flag on anything, and I'm in. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, and so I want Fernando to do great because just like I love him. And did you have you seen the bit in Drive to Survive of him yet? The thing he says, oh, something like, like I'm, I'm the, I'm the I, villain, I'm the bad guy, again. I'm the bad yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. Like, I love that so much. Now I'm like in love with Fernando Alonso because he said that. Like, I, I don't know why, but like, I like 
I just want like I want to see both of them do well and I really want to see Lance do well so we can kind of be like see I can do this I just needed the car so I am excited I'm very excited for the season because of what you're saying that everything is getting mixed up I mean obviously the drivers are all getting mixed up I think it's fun that you know Alpine Alpine however you pronounce it is a all French driver lineup you know obviously Mercedes remains a all uh, British British driver lineup I think that's kind of fun um I personally still prefer Lando Norris. He's my guy and it's not going to be a, not going to be a good year for Lando Norris. Yeah, I, fear. I, mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know what Lando's going to do. Like I really don't know what, because he's tied in for multiple years at McLaren, but yep. Yep. I think they're going to, I think he's going to have to get out of that at some point. I have a new dream, by the way. I want him to be in the second seat at Red Bull. Why? Cause I think he would be great. I, mean, I I am hard pressed. I was thinking about this both uh, during the race and watching Drive to Survive. I feel like like Checo does a phenomenal job mm-hmm. of being what Red Bull needs. I don't know if he's what Red Bull wants, but it's what they need. He's incredibly good at defending. He doesn't he doesn't have he has aspirations to be the champion, but isn't too aggressive about it. You know what I mean? Like he's happy to just let Ma- to pave the way for Max to do the things that uh-huh. Max does. And and that's what Red Bull needs. The problem is, is that Red Bull wants two Max Verstappens, and that's that that's not Checo. But I think Lando is the closest to that. I think that he's the closest driver on the grid mm-hmm. who I don't will know. I, fight Russell... the way that, that Max fights. I don't know if Russell... Well, okay. I, I don't know if George has the raw, almost stupid confidence that Lando does. I think that's that's Lando's I would, I, okay, thing. Okay, that's fair. That's that fair. I feel mm. like I perceive that he he will just put that car in places and like that is like a thing that he does and I, I would like to see him in a top team like that. Obviously, if Lewis retires, I would love to see Lando in Mercedes. Obviously. <laughs> but I just think I think for whatever reason that the Red Bull would really suit him. Yeah, and you might be right. Mm-hmm. So it would also, you know, help me <laughs> like them more. <laughs> but like, I, I, I think it would be a travesty if we never got to see him in a winning car. Agreed. Because Agreed. he could be a world champion. Like, I think the only reason he will not be world champion is if he does not get a, if he if he does not get a car that can do it. And I don't think that's the same for everyone, right? Yeah, I agree with you, hundred percent. Not all drivers can be world champions if you put them in a world champion car. Like it's just not how it goes. But I think Lando's one of them, and I think it would be, it would be a real shame. I mean, I feel the same about George, right? Like mm-hmm. George, George is one hundred percent world championship material. Mercedes now just need to give him a car. The good thing is, he's got a long career ahead of him. Yep. So I feel like he's just got to stick it out, and they'll give him a car mm-hmm. eventually. I agree. Yeah. And I, I actually, the more I see of George, the more I really like George. And him, like, man. even as a silly example, when he said during the race, something like, um, you know, is Lewis trying to conserve his tires or is he just having problems? He, he, and even that I don't think was rude, but he said it in an even nicer way. Yeah. He's so polite. I like his politeness. Yeah. Like, cause Max would have been like, get Lewis out of the way. He's too slow, yeah. which is just such big, you know, that's what he would have said. Whereas, whereas George is more like, Hey, what's the story here? Like, can't, should 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 I move in front or is Lewis doing this deliberately? Like what's going on? Rather than just assuming that everyone around you is an idiot like Max does. I I really am coming to like George quite a lot. 
But yeah, I'm so into this season. It's really funny to me how like all of the graphics, at least at Sky, they're all focused around Las Vegas. Like everything's Vegas themed. <laughs> it's just really funny to me. It's like that race better do what they want it to do because oh, otherwise goodness. everyone's going to have egg on their face. So that's got to be a good race <laughs> because there's a lot being put into the idea that it's going to change the sport forever. Yeah, I don't understand why, but I agree with you. When is that? Do we know? I don't know. November. Don't oh, wow. Okay. We going? If you got $2 million to spare? <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not <laughs> kidding. Exactly like, right. There are million-dollar experiences. Oh, of course there are. Yeah. Saturday, November 18th. Right, that's like right before or after Thanksgiving, isn't it? Oh, we're in August, September, October, November. It's before. Thanksgiving's the 23rd. Yeah, so right before Thanksgiving. Mm. And it's it's like a funny one where like the race, yeah, the race is at six in the morning, my time on Sunday. Oh, weird. That's why they do it. They're doing it on Saturday night so it can be at a regular European time. Oh, yeah, because I was going to say it shows for me as one o'clock in the morning, which would make it what, 9, 10, 10, 10 o'clock like at night, Vegas, there, like, Vegas time. Yeah. Golly, I'm not staying up till 1 o'clock, to 1 to 3 o'clock to watch this. Well, I uh, hope you Europeans like it because I'm not going to be watching. I think this goodness. is the best case scenario because the thing is, if it's in Vegas, it has to be a night race, right? That's true. Because otherwise, right. what's the point of driving down the strip if it's not at night? There's no point. Being in Las Vegas for the people there makes more sense to be at night because it'll be fun, right? Yeah, yeah, it will yeah. be cooler. Get really hot in Vegas, right? It be certainly cooler. does. It certainly does. And it also means that it's that time is a better time for more people around the world to watch it. Yeah, you're right, but it screws the Americans. Which I mean, as Kate is saying in the chat, I thought this was supposed to appeal to the Americans, but apparently not. I don't know. Well, I guess if you're West Coast, it won't be so bad. But it's a 10 you know, p.m. start time in 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 the West Coast. That's what I'm saying. It's not so bad for it's the, not for so the West bad. Coast. Yeah. Sorry, East Coasters. Be a party man. You know what I mean? Stay up. All oh, night. yeah, totally. I'll stay up until 3. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wise decision. But I ain't a dad, so, you know. Oh, I meant to ask you, before we move on, you had mentioned, oh, shoot, maybe it was on Upgrade. You had mentioned the hilariously named app Boxbox, which yeah. I had never heard of before. I love this app. And, and, and you had said that you were going to try it out for live activities with the, mm -hmm. you know, Dynamic Island and all that. Uh, I have not even installed this app yet. I was curious, though. Did you try it? Did it work? Was it good? What's the, what's the two-second story there? Boxbox is a cool app. Like, it's got a lot of fun stuff. The widgets are the best part of it. Like, I have widgets for countdowns for the races. I have widgets for the Constructors Championship and all that kind of stuff. I have loads of widgets. And I just have, like, a stack of widgets on one of my home screens. Just a bunch mm -hmm. of F1 stuff. They also, like collate a lot of news and stuff from, like, Twitter and, and like, articles, and they show them. Oh, that's cool. They have like subscriptions and for their twelve ninety nine a year subscription, you get access to uh, live activities. I tried out the live activities during qualifying and practice. I didn't try them during the race. They're a little, they, I think they've said they're a beta and I understand because like they've got to get the data and get it through fast enough for it to make sense. Mm -hmm. I would say if you are watching the race, there is no point because okay, fair. you're going to get the information faster by looking at it. But mm -hmm. the design is really nice of the way they're doing the live activities. And like it's basically just showing you like the top five or whatever and their times and how many laps mm -hmm. they've done, that kind of stuff. Like if they're in the pits, like I think it was done really well, but it's definitely like this is for keeping up with the race if you're not watching the race. If you're watching the race, you don't need the information. Mm -hmm. But it's but the whole app is is really well designed. 
I recommend trying it out, right? Like, of course, they have a trial on that subscription. So, like, sure. I would try it. But to me, this is worth $13 a year just for the widgets. Like, the widgets are awesome. So That's cool. All right, well, I appreciate it. I just wanted to hear a little more details since uh, obviously we weren't going to get into it in Upgrade. All right, this episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Do you know services like Netflix have different libraries based on where you're located? Which means that watching these services without using ExpressVPN, it's like paying for a gym membership, but only being able to use the treadmill. Like they've locked off the rest of the gym <laughs> and you're not allowed over there. ExpressVPN lets you change your location where it like where you are saying you're online. So you can I can here in the UK say, you know, connect me to a server in New York. And you can then trick these services into where you're located. This means you could have access to tons of other services they have almost 100 different server locations so you could gain access to so many new shows and this works with loads of streaming services youtube iplayer like for example if we're just going to focus on netflix here if you were in the u.s and you connected to uk netflix you could watch it's always sunny in philadelphia or you could connect to canadian netflix and watch back to the future there's so many you just open the app click you just click to open the app click to choose the country you want to be in and refresh the app or the website or whatever, and you're done. What's great for me is Formula One, because if I'm overseas <laughs> and I want to connect to my service here where I watch Formula One, I can say, hey, I'm back in the UK, and it will let me, because otherwise, it won't. So it's even useful for just accessing the content that you're used to getting. There are so many reasons to choose ExpressVPN. Super fast. You can stream in HD with zero buffering. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. And ExpressVPN encrypts your data. You can make the smart choice and stop paying full price for streaming services and only get an access to a fraction of the content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash analog. That is express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S. -S vpn.com slash analog <laughs> to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. I'm going to try that one more time. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash analog. I did it, Casey. Everyone you can be proud did of me. It. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Recommendations! All right, so keeping with the theme, this will be very quick. Um, one of my favorite pastimes, and that's mostly hyperbole, but not entirely, is immediately after a race... I love to go to Reddit and go to the Formula Dank. D -A -N -K, Has everybody Formula just found out about Formula Dank at the same time? Like, I was just listening to Sharp Tech, and Ben Thompson seems to have just come across. Did you show this to Ben Thompson? Yes, I did. Actually, ah, yes, I did. Okay, now I see. Now I know who's responsible. Ben Thompson, if you're out there, by the way, could not disagree with you more about your takes on Red Bull, but I just need to get that out into the world. <laughs> oh, I you haven't know? heard his I don't takes. think he's going to hear it. But like he, I I wanted to jump through my podcast player when he, I mean I know uh -oh, he's trying uh -oh. to annoy people like me. Where he said um, on the most recent episode of Shop Tech, he was just like talking about Red Bull and how they have won two uh, constructors championships with absolutely no controversy and all of the right decisions. It's like oh, <laughs> he's going for no, me. He's going no, for no, me. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I get it. I've known about Formula Dank for a couple of years now, and uh, one of my favorite pastimes is to scroll through Formula Dank immediately after a race and look at all of the memes that are flying by because so many, I mean, a lot of them are inappropriate, but so many of them are hilarious. 
And uh, typically I will spam uh, our group chat between uh, Adina and Mike and Aaron and me. And I will spam only the cream of the crop that will, I will, will get escalated to the, to the four or the three of you, the four of us. And, uh, oh my, oh, it is just so much fun looking at formula dank, particularly after a race. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, uh, it is quite funny. And then very, very quickly, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I forgot exactly when this was, uh, Richard Hammond of top gear fame did like an hour and a half interview with some fellow who I guess is popular in the UK. I'm not trying to be flippant. I genuinely don't know who this guy is. I, uh, shoot, I don't even know this fellow's name. Um, but he's a really, a fairly young guy who does the diary of a CEO, which oh, is one of those things that's like a podcast. This and a is video. one of those podcasts. Like I don't really, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yep. maybe, yep. you know what I'm saying when I say it like that, this is just something that's like seemed to have come out of nowhere. And this guy gets to interview like every single famous person on the planet. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yep. That, I mean, from, from what I could tell, that's exactly right. But he's actually not a bad interviewer. Again, I can't remember the darn guy's name. I'm sorry. But, um, Nevertheless, he did an hour and a half interview with Richard Hammond from Top Gear, and obviously it's a big ask to invest an hour and a half on anything, but it was really, really good, like really good. And Hammond was way more introspective than I had expected him to be. And I was rewatching a little bit of it this morning because I had watched it originally a few weeks, like right after we recorded our last episode. I mean, I think this guy's a good interviewer, right? Like, I I think this is what he does. Stephen Bartlett. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, So there are just a couple of quick poll quotes to give you an idea. I I mean, I guess some of these are kind of obvious, but I thought it was just very well stated and and again, very self-aware. So Hammond said at one point, uh, with regard to with regard to how he became the way he is, uh, every compensatory measure that anyone who is diminutive in height has ever made, I've done. Which basically, I think this was in the context of him finding out that uh, that some of his friends call him Little Napoleon <laughs> behind his back, oh. and he accidentally found that out, uh, which I thought was quite funny. And and so uh, he was, you know, basically saying, "I have a sh- I'm a short guy. I do all the dumb short people things that you would expect." And then the other quote that I thought was really good: um, "The worst people to deal with the trappings of success are, by definition, the one the only ones driven enough to achieve it," which I thought well, was very very again. good. The worst people to deal with the trappings of success are, by definition, the only ones that are driven enough to achieve it. Woo. So basically, you know, all these turds that are like a Max Verstappen, actually, there you go, yeah. who, who are just impossibly, incredibly driven. Well, they are successful because they're impossibly, incredibly driven, but they're also kind of turds <laughs> and, and often can't deal with success well. So um, I, and uh, the whole interview is just like an exercise in a man with humongous imposter syndrome, which uh, doesn't please me, but it's interesting that someone who is by any definition, incredibly successful has still to this day has such like incredible lack of self-confidence. And as someone who struggles with a lack of self-confidence, believe it or not, um, I, I think that that's quite fascinating. And so uh, again, I, you can listen to it as a podcast. There's a video version, which we'll link to, but it's the video is not you know, required by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it was, it was really, really good. I was very surprised. And then finally, I'm going I just on added my, this uh, to my watch later queue. This sounds really interesting. Yeah. It, 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 I think you particularly Mike will enjoy it. And I mean that in a, in a very good way. I think this is right up your alley. It's really, really good. Very, actually it's very up analogs alley, to be honest with you. Uh, and then finally, I'm going on my, uh, marketing tour on behalf of my friend, Dan Morin, uh, the Nova instant, the most recent book by Dan Morin, uh, which we talked about on, on Upgrade. I got hoodwinked into talking about it on Upgrade. I will continue my uh, my marketing tour on behalf of Dan. Uh, it's really, really good. You should read it. I'll just leave it at that. What do you have? Uh, I have two uh, shows. One is Shrinking, 
on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, I really need to get on this. I really, really need to get on this because everyone's saying it's excellent. Superb. Jason Siegel, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. I, I love that movie too, and yeah. I love Jason Siegel. Very, very good. Harrison Ford. I, you know, I hear he's not bad. He is really <laughs> funny in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ver- uh, Jessica Williams is also hilarious. Uh, she was the host of a podcast called Two Dope Queens and has done a bunch of acting. Um, and it's written by Bill Lawrence of Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Krista Miller's in it, which I think you'll enjoy. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Right? She's fantastic in this show. Uh, Jason Siegel and Brett Goldstein. Yep. But, but Brett isn't in it, right? He's just writing, is that correct? He's just he's just uh, writing, producing, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. that kind of thing. The whole cast, like also the people that I don't know, like um, it's Jason Siegel's daughter and friends and patients. He's a, a, a therapist. Mm-hmm. They are, Everyone is excellent in this. It really feels like there's a lot of improvising going on, which is very fun. Uh, yeah, this show, like, I didn't know what to expect of it exactly, but it's way better than I thought it was even going to be. Um, the, the the headline that I'll give you is, Jason Siegel plays a therapist who is messed up. <laughs> but it, in... And this, what I would say is like, I was thinking maybe also that the show was going to be a little darker than it is. And mm-hmm. I haven't experienced that so much. Like, there are some tough things in it, but it is really fun and lighthearted as well. And it digs into a lot of interesting areas. But what I would say is Apple have done it again. That's, right? that's awesome. Where they have made genuinely... I mean, it's not done yet, but genuinely one of my favorite comedies I've seen in years. Like, I feel about shrinking how I felt about watching the first season of Ted Lasso. So, Whoa! like, if oh! that that is the recommendation I will give you, this show Whoa, is delightful, my. and I'm learning things from it. Like, and every single person in it is, at, is they are working at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. This show is fantastic. All right, I, we gotta we gotta move that up the list. Who who is the who is it that I just said was in it? It's Bill Lawrence's wife, right? Krista Miller. Krista Miller. Her husband in the show. Every single line this guy says, I laugh out loud. He is <laughs> like the the role they have given him is incredible, and he is playing it perfectly. Like every single time this guy's on the screen, I'm laughing. Like it's great. The other one. Let me go 100 percent opposite in tone. Yeah, see, right now I'm I'm all in on the shrinking idea. Going 180 d- degrees in the opposite is not necessarily my cup of tea. But please, I genuinely would like to hear what you have to say. HBO's The Last of Us. Oh uh, yes, everyone seems to be interested in this these days. Oh my god! Oh my god! My it, god! Uh, this is uh, golden age television. Like this is as good as HBO television can be. I cannot stress to you enough how incredible The Last of Us is. It's, am- it's amazing. Like, not only is it just an amazing television show, it is one of the best adaptations I have mm. ever seen. Because you played the game, games, game, one, many? I played most of the first game, and I, I okay. want to play it. Like, it was hard, and I was scared of it, and so I stopped. 
but now mm. they have released a new version and they have I think I'm going to try it again at the easiest difficulty so I can go through the story but I know the story I know like the base story and they are deviating from it in interesting ways but none of the ways I think all of the ways are deviating from it are better and like there is one episode of this which is just this show has an episode that is one of the best love, sh- love stories I've ever seen on television wow like a mini movie. Like it's like a 90 minute episode or something. And it is just the love between two men. And it is beautiful. Like it's just unbelievable. Um, I guess that's a slight spoiler I've given there, but I'm trying to sell people on this show that it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This show is not the walking dead. Like if you're thinking like, Oh, I no, I don't want to watch the walking dead. This is not the walking dead. We're not, we're like catching up. We're like up to episode six there have maybe been in the episodes that I've seen like just a small handful of incidents with the quote unquote infected. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, all right? Like, there are lots of references to pandemics in this show, right? Yeah, so, like, see, uh, so you just got to go in knowing that, okay? It's unbelievable. Okay. Pedro Pascal, that man, he, he can do no wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's Pedro season, baby. We're in it. Mandalorian's back. There is I I think Pedro Pascal is just all of our daddies now. Like <laughs> he's just like daddy figure, you know? Like he's just daddy for everyone, you know? Cuz he that he plays like father figure in this uh, show, right? Like sure. And oh, everyone man. is doing incredible. So he plays alongside Bella Ramsey, who is Again, like the way that she is taking the role compared to the video game is different, but in a way that I think is working better for this show. Mm-hmm. I Casey, I I know that it's like it can be a hard ask, right? Like it's dark, but there are yeah, see, there yeah. is love in this show that is amazing, and the performances are incredible. The special effects are amazing. The practical effects are amazing. The world design is incredible. Like every, again, the series is not finished. They have the ability to screw it up, but I see nothing but them sticking the landing on this. Yeah. Like it is next level TV. Yeah. See, I I should probably give it a shot, but I am, I am not personally and currently in the space that I really want a lot of unhappy TV in my life. And Maybe this isn't unhappy, but I it's don't know. sad. There are moments of bleakness, but there are moments of love and hope and togetherness. Mm-hmm. And the action's great and it's tense. And there are a lot of releases to that tension. I think it's balanced very well considering what it's about. Fair, fair. I okay. really no, recommend it. it. Like, it is not. I mean, I watched Walking Dead for a long time, it ain't that. Right, like, and I liked Walking Dead. First seasons of Walking Dead, amazing, right? And it just gets a bit too much at a certain point. And I don't feel like this show is there. And I know the story, and like, there's gonna be some rough stuff, right? I'm gonna tell you that now, like, like even things that they haven't shown yet. Mm-hmm. But like, I just think it's worth it because this is to me is like this is just one of those shows. Where every single person involved, similarly to Shrinking is at the top of their game, but the top of the game you are getting here is like, how good can HBO be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and the answer is pretty freaking good. I guess. And this is, and it's this kind of level, man. Seriously, I know it's tough. Just give it a couple of episodes, because I'll tell you as well. Like one of the bleakest parts is how it starts, right? Like I'm just giving you these warnings, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a shot at some point. It'll that I definitely need to give Shrinking a shot because that seems much more my speed. Yeah, but. We'll see. All right. Well, now I'll definitely check it out. We also got uh, Ted Lasso coming back between now and the next time we talk. Ted Lasso's coming back, baby. Mm-hmm. So everything's coming up analog right now. We got F1. We got Ted Lasso. All, all the good things are happening. 